and welcome to our second episode in our Expert Witness series. I'm Sarah Gur, I'm a solicitor and claims team lead in Ireland here at Medical Protection and I'm your host for today. Our Expert Witness series is linked to our current campaign to support doctors to become expert witnesses and you can find more information about this campaign on our website. In short, we're hoping to widen the pool of available experts as access to good experts is crucial for doctors and also for patients. Whenever questions are raised about the level of care a patient has received, the role of the medical expert witness is essential to defining whether or not that care has fallen short of a reasonable standard. This campaign has come about because concerns have been raised in a number of quarters about the difficulty of accessing such witnesses, and as such, this campaign is aimed at ensuring that members can become expert witnesses and encouraging them to do so. In this episode, we're going to be talking with Dr. Rebecca Whitaker, one of the team of medical legal consultants here at Medical Protection, and she's going to speak to us about what it's like to work as an expert witness and why you might choose to do so as well. A bit of background about Rebecca. Rebecca has worked in emergency medicine for the last 20 years. After graduating from Cambridge Clinical School, she completed her speciality training in emergency medicine in the Oxford Deanery before taking up her first consultant post at Oxford University Hospital's NHS Foundation Trust. After moving her consultant post to Imperial College NHS Healthcare Trust, Becca started working as an expert witness and expanded her interest in medical law, gaining a graduate diploma in law from the University of Law in 2019, the Diploma of Legal Medicine in 2020, and being called to the bar, Middle Temple Spring, in 2022. Rebecca started working as a medical legal consultant for medical protection in 2022 as well. Alongside her role for medical protection and her expert witness work, she still maintains her clinical work as a substantive NHS consultant at the Major Trauma Centre in Wales, University Hospital Wales, and also works as a medical examiner for NHS Wales. Rebecca is passionate about educating other consultants about working as an expert witness and creating portfolio careers to help sustain a long career within the NHS. So, Becca, it's wonderful to have you with us here today. Thank you for joining us. Um, if I may, I'd like to go back to the start and basically go to the start and say, what drew you to the work as an expert witness? Yeah, well, firstly, thanks for inviting me to talk today. Um, yeah, my work, it really started, I was very, very lucky um, about four or five years into being an emergency medicine consultant, I think I realised that for me, for to have a long sustainable career in emergency medicine, I needed to find sort of another string to my bow. Um, and I tried a number of things, education and sports medicine, but I, I kind of wanted to, to, to explore other options. And one of my colleagues uh, came to me and said, was I interested in expert witness work? Um, he just set up a company uh, effectively um, for doctors to kind of help them do the work. Um, and he just said, would I be interested in being one of his uh, consultants who would be instructed. Um, he mentored me, he took me through the process, how to write a report, what would be needed, breach of duty, etc. Um, and just effectively got me on board. Um, that first year, I had just a, really a couple of instructions, um, but enough for me to kind of go, okay, this is actually, I'm really interested in this, I'm really interested in the law surrounding it. Um, so I went on to do sort of my own, I think, qualifications alongside, as you've heard, um, you know, through sort of academic um, law. And then it's kind of taken off from there. So I was very, very lucky. I, I sort of effectively found a mentor who kind of got me into it. And then I really realised it was something that I was really enjoyed and, and wanted to to develop myself. Brilliant. I mean, it sounds like a brilliant way to get into, as you say, having a colleague who can inspire and really kind of guide you, as you said, at the outset. Um, now, there isn't actually any requirement to take formal training to become an expert witness but obviously you've you've gone above and beyond what is required but in terms of again of getting into it, how did you find that 
point in terms of doing the introductory courses? Was that a good foundation to start doing the work? I think it's a really good foundation. I think one of the issues we have as doctors is that so much of our career involves medical legal work actually on a daily basis, but there's very little training for us available about the language used by lawyers. It's, it's, it's a completely different world. And it's not until you actually go into that world that you realise how different it, it can be. So I think a really good starting point is just there are there are lots of sort of one day conferences um, that are sort of less pricey, I guess, to get into to see whether it's something that you'd be interested in. And they'll give you a little bit of an introduction about what the work kind of entails. And then, as you said, you know, people will then choose their own path. Um, I chose to do more legal studies, but there are other courses available for sort of over a number of days that will, will teach people the tools that they need to be an expert witness. Great. And I think certainly from my experience, obviously I deal with experts day in, day out. My, my role here at Medical Protection is dealing with claims and expert witnesses are crucial to the work that we do. Um, and most of the work we'll do with experts is report writing. Um, and from the work you've been doing, is report writing, is that fair to say that that's a, a real significant part of the work of an expert witness? Yeah, it's pretty much fundamentally what you do. You have to be able to want to write reports. Um, and I always say when I'm when people ask what qualities or what do you think makes a good expert, I think, you know, being eloquent, eloquent by writing and obviously oral is, is, is really, really important. If you don't enjoy reading through large pieces of information, analysing them and then effectively drafting your own reports, then it's probably not an area of medicine that you would like to get into. Um, but there are other aspects aside writing reports, um, but it's a little bit specialty dependent. So in emergency medicine, the vast majority of work we get um, instructed on is breach of duty, and that is fundamentally reports. Um, an orthopaedic surgeon or a GP might get instructed more on prognosis reports, and those will include um, examining and actually seeing the patients, but still then writing a report. Um, and even I do some coronial work as well. Again, the initial work is writing a report. Although that that will always involve going to an inquest and giving evidence, the report will be the starting point for that. Yeah, perfect. And I suppose that's where the training courses really come in in terms of helping how you set out the report, how to make sure that you've understood the instructions properly and what you're actually being asked. Because as you say, experts can be asked for reports in a number of different guises and the, and the solicitor instructing should really be focusing and directing you on what's needed in that particular report. I mean, solicitors are under a requirement to direct their expert towards the relevant guidelines. So, so most, uh, one of the big guidelines used is the civil procedural rules, which is part 35, which, which many of you probably will have heard of. And that's kind of governs the way in which you write your report. But that's something if you haven't done any expert work or even attended a course, you may not even know, know that that that's how it exists. And that's how the civil courts in the UK are run, because it's just not something as a medic you would uh, come across. Um, so, you know, that's why it is important to have a, a, a grounding of kind of legal knowledge when you're going to undertake this this work, because we have a duty to be compliant um, with those rules in the way that we write our report. Yeah. And hopefully we'll have members listening to this podcast that are based in the UK and hopefully some based in Ireland as well. And I think the principles are the same. You know, there's there's rules guiding it the solicitor will set that out for you but whatever you are the guiding principle is your first duty is is to the court and not to your instructing party and I'm not sure if that's necessarily something doctors would be aware of or do you think that is Rebecca? I think it's something they're not I think one of the kind of myths about um, expert work is I think people feel that sometimes because you're being paid you will go along with what your solicitor says whether that's claimant or defendant um, and you know all, all people might feel you're a doctor so you're more likely to to, to maybe want to side with the with the medics well 
we can't, you know, we're accountable for what we do. Um, we may be instructed by a defendant trust, for example, the vast majority of minor defendant trust um, work, but actually our, our duty is to the court and therefore we have to be independent and objective. And actually, although I say most of my instructions are defendant trust, I'd actually say most cases, I probably do say there's a breach. If you actually, I've never statistically looked at it, but actually in most cases I probably do. So, um, you know, that's not obviously necessarily going along with the outcome the defendant trust wants. You need to give your independent objective opinion, uh, predominantly because that's obviously your duty to the court, but also actually that's what's going to help um, the case be resolved realistically and hopefully at an early stage. Um, you're not doing any favours as an expert if you say something that later on down the line is very easy to, to disprove or overturn or, or not credible at all. Yeah, and I think that's a really important point because obviously I'm, I'm dealing with the defence side of things for, for our members in Ireland. And yeah, you know, great if there's a supportive expert report, but ultimately what we're looking for is a genuine and realistic independent view of it. Because as you say, I know from, from dealing with members day in, day out, they would much rather know at the outset from an expert, having had an independent look, yeah, this is vulnerable. They would much rather hear that from an expert, you know, six months into a claim than be at the door of trial or in fact be at trial and then it all start to come apart. So it's really important that experts aren't telling us what we want to hear, but telling us what their genuine independent view is. Um, and have you had experience of, obviously what tends to happen is there'll be an expert report written and Oftentimes, there will then be a conference where there might well be the doctor involved will come to a conference with solicitors and then quite often the expert where there'll be a discussion about the strength of that report and are there any concerns and, and have a bit of a wider discussion. Um, how have you found that? Because as you say, often you'll be saying something that perhaps the doctor won't want to hear, but how does that come across and is that an enjoyable part of the job? Um, yeah, I, I kind of like the conference stages. I mean, I've I've been involved in in, in different types of conferences. So as you said, the kind of defendant conferences where you're you're with counsel and they might get the number of experts who are involved and the doctor across the table from you as well who who, who is involved. Um, and then also conferences with the joint experts where you have the claimant and defendant and you're trying to narrow the kind of issues um, between you. So both both have kind of challenges. I think the the ones that I've I've gone to with the doctors actually, you know, actually the doctors I think appreciate talking it through with a clinician, with a fellow clinician, because I think some of the time by that point the only kind of correspondence they've had has been from the legal teams. So actually to have someone sit across the way and say actually, you know, you saw this patient in in the emergency department. I'm an emergency department clinician. I'm still practicing. You know, I still very much understand the pressures of, of what it was like when you're working at that time. But actually, this is why I've said my opinion, etc. I think that that helps. Otherwise, you're just a piece of paper, aren't you? And, and, and a report. They can't actually see the person behind it. Um, I think the conferences with your own specialty experts is quite challenging. I know, you know, especially early on, um, I'm still, you know, I'm 10 years over consultant, but I'm still relatively junior to some of the other um, experts in, in my field doing this. And some of them may have held quite prominent, prominent, uh, sorry, prominent positions um, sort of in, in our Royal College. So then when you meet them in that setting where you know that you have a different opinion from them, that can be quite challenging because these are people who, who are quite eminent in your specialty and, and certainly are people I've sort of looked up to. Uh, and then you're going, going not, not against them, but 
you know, you are going to say this is my opinion. But the vast majority of the times, actually, again, you're talking it through as clinicians. Um, and it may be that at the end, I mean, I had one which was a lovely conference. We didn't agree, but actually it was a lovely joint expert conference. And by the end, we just both said, well, you know, we haven't agreed, but I see your point of view. I see your point of view, but this is what I'm going to write in my report to our, our solicitors at the end. That's the best kind of uh, conference. Yeah, no, exactly. And as you say, there's two different strands there that, that, that you've covered, which is really helpful. The fact that, as I say, pretty much all expert work will involve report writing, but then sometimes you'll have a conference with the legal team for the clinician that you're dealing with or the plaintiff if, if you're doing a plaintiff report and then as you say on occasion and it happens more I would say in England and Wales and Northern Ireland than it does necessarily in Scotland or Republic of Ireland but there'll be these joint expert meetings and that's when as Rebecca said the say the expert A&E, A&E consultant instructed by the plaintiff's team will meet with the expert A&E consultant by the defence team to try and understand why they're differing Eventually, has somebody looked at a different piece of literature? Has somebody been out of date with guidelines? You know, try and try and work out. You know, is there going to be any consensus, or at least narrow narrow the issues in dispute? And that's really helpful as well. Certainly, I have to confess to not having dealt with uh, any English claims, but I've dealt with quite a few Northern Irish claims. And those joint expert meetings happen a lot there, and they they are really helpful in terms of narrowing the issues. And as you see, it also also good when the expert then comes back and we'll have a conversation with the solicitor to s- try and explain where the other side are coming from and that can help formulate the strategy and, and oftentimes lead to resolution of a claim as well so it's a really helpful point and my impression as a as a non-clinician is that it sounds like quite a kind of intellectually challenging but hopefully enjoyable part of the work to have that to have those conversations with a fellow clinician. Yeah it, it actually is quite nice and but I mean and one of the things actually to be fair that I um, would advocate for expert work is actually it's a a really good way of keeping your own CPD in your own specialty Um, it's a real challenge I think in the NHS today that you know just the job alone is very stressful and time consuming so then on top of that to keep as a consultant to keep up your own CPD that obviously we should do and also we're expected to do can be really challenging so you know expert witness work you know, if you're doing a number of cases a week or even a month, every case you'll be looking at the up-to-date guidelines. So every single case I do, I'll be going to the Royal College of Emergency Medicine, I'll be going to NICE, I'll be going to see what's going on in our specialty. And, you know, very often there'll be documents, there'll be safety flashes, there'll be things that have popped up that actually haven't maybe come across your desk when maybe they should have done. Um, so I think from that perspective as well, intellectually, it's it's really, really 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 useful many times in my departments you know uh my juniors and things will kind of know that that depending on the subject a lot of the time I'll have access to what is the most recent guideline because if it you know there there tends to be tranches of you know set clinicians set conditions that often come across kind of my desk and expert witness work so those are the ones that you tend to be the most teed up on and what's the latest evidence and guidelines about yeah no and all I was going to say is it's something that occurred to me and I think you've answered it is do you think being an expert actually makes you for want of a better phrase a better doctor I think there's two strong, I, I think it does I obviously I'm biased in that yeah. opinion. I think it does because I think what it does is it it, it keeps you up to date with your practice um, and it also helps you, it does help you risk stratify your practice. Now, the criticism from experts who are still working as clinicians, I think possibly one thing that non-experts will worry is that you become very defensive in the way that you practice medicine because you're yeah. continually seeing what can go wrong. 
But the flip side of that is, are we defensive or are we actually just practicing medicine how alongside the evidence and actually how ideally we should all be practicing medicine and taking it, but taking into account the pressures that we are under? Um, you know, that's a controversial one. So people will have different points yes. on that one. But but personally, I think it helps. Um, and I think it also can be very useful in your department. Um, you know, I'm lucky where I work in the sense that I am the only person who has a medical legal background of my consultant group. Um, so therefore, I tend to be the first port of call for an opinion um, yeah. because I understand the lingo, lingo and also because I'm looking at cases throughout England um, predominantly um, and what's going on in other trusts. So therefore, you know, uh, you know, although I, I can't give independent expert witness work and I never would do to my trust because I'm conflicted, yeah. what I can do is give an opinion of if I was looking at this from the outside, this is what I would say. And then the trust can use that if, if, if they want to, to find that useful, even at the very early stages. So my trust will come to me with the, the difficult complaints and things and say, actually, really, what, what, what would you say if you were looking at this kind of outside? Yeah. And I suppose just... To sum up, obviously, as you say, it's a good few years ago since you started doing the work. Is this a is this a type of work that you're going to continue to do? You know, is it a, a source of work that is enjoyable to you and that you see having a future and a bit of longevity for you? Yeah, I mean, completely. I think it's for me, it works really well. It slots in because the majority of emergency medicine is report writing. Um, you know, you look at anyway, overall, a very small percentage actually go to court. I think it's less than 5%. I'm not sure yes, of the exact exactly. statistics yes. of negligence very small percent. <laughs> so actually, the vast majority of this work can be done in your own time around other life uh, pressures, such as the kids, the pets, the other the jobs, etc. So it does for me and my lifestyle, it fits in really, really well. Um, I think one of the worries is people worry about court time and getting someone to court and that getting in the way but again you can dictate that so yes I might be doing a few more coronial cases now and I appreciate that means I might be then instructed to inquest but I'm factoring that in I am choosing that so I could choose not to do any coroner cases and then my my you know then it really is fundamentally report writing and not much much going to court time brilliant um Rebecca, thank you so much for speaking with me today. Um, Rebecca is going to be part of our webinars, which we're having on the 10th and the 24th of May. And so what I would like to do is probably keep some powder dry for then. Rebecca's going to be there, going to talk more about this. I've obviously asked some questions which are of interest to me, and I hope they were to the listeners as well. But certainly on the 10th and 24th, the webinars will be live and there'll be an opportunity for Q&A. So if there's any questions that are occurring to you as you're listening to, to this, eh, there'll be an opportunity to, to ask Rebecca questions at that time. Um, so thank you, Rebecca. Was there anything else that you wanted to cover off today? Or are we happy to, to pick this up again when we meet at the webinars next next month? No, I think we'll just pick it up at the webinars then. If obviously if people then live want to ask lots of questions, so I'll be there. Brilliant. So thank you. So with that, we're going to come to, to the end of today's episode. This was discussing, obviously, a working as an expert witness with my guest, Rebecca Whitaker. In our final episode, we're going to hear more about some of the practicalities because I've got two guests at the next one. That's Rebecca Ryan, who's a solicitor who's instructing experts on a regular basis, and Nick Deal, um, a professional trainer of expert witnesses. Um, I would encourage all members that are keen to learn more about becoming an expert witness to use the links in the podcast description to register for the upcoming webinars that myself and Rebecca will both be at on the May the 10th and May the 24th. So until next time, I've been your host, Sarah thank you so much for listening and or watching thank you